0: hey everybody and welcome back to another bonus episode i'm here with jason wyman again and we're going to be talking about game dev jason uh do you want to just remind people who you are real quick i can't remember if it's game.dev or courses I, i i can't ever remember the dang domain
1: Oh sure sure. So yeah, I'm Jason. I'm a game developer and a YouTuber now, I guess. And the the site you're thinking of is uh, game.courses, which is a right. weird domain name, but yeah, it's it works out really well cuz it's exactly what it is. It's courses on game yeah. development.
0: Yeah. and a great course. I've I've kind of gone through the beginning of the beginner course, but yeah, and it's it's really easy to follow. It's just I'm super busy and so I keep, you know, I'm like, "Oh, I got to get back to that." But Anyway, I was I was really curious. You know, we were chatting before the this call, and so I'm kind of curious. As you know, we were talking before the the episode, and yeah, we were talking about different like jobs and game development things like that. And I was curious. I, I asked you how you got into game dev, and I realized that would probably make a good a good chat. So yeah, how did you get into game development? I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com.
1: Well, it's pretty interesting, actually. I So I started coding as a kid, but I was terrible at it. And I never really dove into it. Like, you know, maybe seven or eight, I did a little bit of programming. And mm-hmm. like, as a teenager, I would occasionally try to write a little bit of code here and there that would like, accomplish little game hacking tasks. I mean, My main goal as a kid was to hack my games that I was playing. So I would kind of learn how to write right. a little bit of code to try to hack those games. I was terrible at it. I didn't understand anything about what I was doing, but I really liked doing it, and I had a lot of fun with it. And occasionally, I'd make something that was somewhat useful for myself. Most of the time, it'd be like a simple batch script, but occasionally, I'd do something <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. We've all been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so everybody thought I was a wizard when I made my first batch script. You know, like, oh, what? How did you do that? It ran like three different DOS commands at once. Oh. Uh Anyway, eventually I got to the point where I could write a tiny little bit of code, like nothing Uh super amazing. But I I ran into this problem where I had a keyboard that had a little screen on it, this G15. It was like one of the first ones that had a little screen on it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And you could write programs for it. And I really wanted to learn how to um, write something to run on that to do something cool. My thought was like, I'll make a damage parser that shows like how much damage I'm doing in my game. So I can like see right, right there. Super cool, super useful stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I ended up writing that and and it kind of worked. So it showed me like how much damage I was doing based on the info that was going into logs. So it would like read right. for all these log messages and, and spam that stuff out. And I had just a tiny bit of experience. I mean, this is all visual basic, super simple code that I didn't understand, right? <laughs> but right. i was able to use that little tiny bit of knowledge to get a job at intel <laughs> so uh-huh. i actually applied for a job at intel up in washington it was a student job like for people who were still attending college and stuff and i was planning to i was getting set up to go back into to school to do some computer science stuff um, mm-hmm. i ended up not actually finishing finishing registering so the whole time i was like yeah i'm gonna start soon i gotta start soon but like i i was just never found anything that really was the right program for me that at least that's what how i felt so anyway I, I was there just coding and while i was working there like right near the the end of the first year i was just at home playing video games right so this this is where it gets weird so i uh, let me rewind just a second so Throughout the, I guess, late '90s, I played a lot of EverQuest. Like a lot of EverQuest, like <laughs> you know, eight hours, twelve hours, sixteen hours a day, easy. You know, like there were mm-hmm. lots of lots of days where I just played nonstop. And while I was doing that, I met a lot of people playing. Like I would just constantly talk to people in there. I ran a like raiding guild, so we'd go around and. Mm-hmm. Jump on and go tell all the bosses like the day that they the second they came on, they'd have everybody like logging in at 2 a.m. to jump on and go like race everybody over. And uh, there was another guild in Hong Kong, so we'd go race them, like try to try to kill things before they did. And it was it was a blast, but I met a ton, a ton of people there. And some of the people that I met there were actually like the GMs for the game, they were the people who like ran the game and monitored the game. And uh, one of the GMs was actually one who um. Oh, uh, uh, I don't want to tell that story <laughs> real there, quick. There's one part I probably shouldn't dive into. But anyway, so while I'm at home, like at lunch from this Intel job, where I was doing a uh-huh. little, I was doing a little bit of coding, r- writing some code that was like running some simple, simple automated tests. This is very simple, like running command prompt commands in series, essentially, right, and then giving back the result. So while I'm at lunch, from that I, I log into EverQuest to just say hi to friends. I hadn't logged in, in like a year or two, right? so I just logged in. I was right. like, oh, I wonder if any of my friends still play. I'm gonna say hi. I haven't played this game in a while, and like within two minutes, I get a message from one of those GM friends of mine, one of the guys who used to like come watch us kill raid bosses and come like, hey, uh-huh. know, like hey, go check out that raid boss. It's back up now. You guys can go get it. Or, you know, like really cool guy. Anyway, he sends me a message going, hey, um. You want to come work for me? <laughs> it was like, you know how to code, right? You want to come work for me? And I was like, uh, what? So it's like, yeah, give me a call. So I, call, I called him up and he was running the QA department. So he was running the QA department on an MMO game that I, I'd been interested in in the past. And I'd actually applied for a design job on and never heard back on. That oh, wow. another, so that was another story I, I'll get into. It. The reason I never heard back on it, it was kind of interesting because I, uh, Anyway, it involved people leaving right around there. So anyway, he he gets me on the phone and he's telling me that, hey, we've got this really small QA team. So we've got a team, a development team of over a hundred. And what what how big do you think that his QA team was, Charles? I have no idea. Two. <laughs> One of them was part-time because he was only it was QA and web development. The other guy was full-time QA. Like, uh, oh wow! Okay, this is for like a full-scale MMO, right? <laughs> like, yeah, giant... that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's about to launch. <laughs> so anyway, I was like, okay, what, what is, what's the job? I mean, definitely, I'll take it, whatever it is. But what's the yeah. job? <laughs> and he said, yeah, just... what we want to do is try to automate some of the, the QA stuff and do some, like, be some testing and some tools. Like doing some QA related tooling to mm-hmm. make things easier, maybe some scripts, some whatever types of stuff you can do to, to ease the job. Right. It's like, all right. Yeah, definitely. So I, I had to do a little code interview. The interview was like a phone interview, it was super, super simple like, what's a class? What's a struct? What's a right. method? You no, know? <laughs> like, what, what are like the very basics of C sharp? Right. Cause they were basically right. like interviewing me for just super entry, super junior level C sharp job. Make sure I at least understood the language and that, like, right. I could make an app that would compile. Maybe it wouldn't do anything uh-huh. useful, but could at least compile. Right. That was kind of the, the the end of the interview process. And then I told my wife, I was like, hey, babe, we're going to move to Washington. Okay. <laughs> Just like, what? Because we, I mean, not to Washington, California, from Washington, sorry. Right. So we were living in Washington with two little toddlers, my wife, who had a job there. And I was like, yep can we just move to California? I was like, I really want to do this. I was like, it's like my dream job. I got to go do this. Like, if it sucks and you hate it and we don't want to stay, we can just move back. I was like, can we just try it? And my wife is always super supportive. So she was hesitantly on board. Right? <laughs> we ended up... Um,
0: yeah, it was... Been it there was with my interesting... wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, so she's... It, it's really helpful, though. I mean, I can only imagine it. Yeah. If my wife was it was the opposite, like, I could still... You know, be doing something I hated. I don't know, and not that I hated Intel, but who knows what it, what it would have been after that. I may have never gotten into the game industry, right? All right. So anyway, took that job, and I had to move down here by myself. So I moved down to California mm-hmm. by myself because it was like starting in a week, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah. moved down, I moved in with the other QA guy temporarily, and just started up that job and it w- it was kind of like my dream job like I'd get up every morning like super thrilled to go into work I'm like the weirdo who's like all pumped to be at the office like I'm sure you've seen it. like anytime somebody starts yeah. their first like big corporate job it's like the most exciting thing they're excited to go into meetings and excited for about <laughs> yeah. every, every everything is thrilling and fun right and that that was yeah. uh, <laughs> definitely me for the first uh first couple weeks right and then on week yeah. 3 I got a I got a call from one of my friends, and he was like, "Hey, did you get laid off?" And I was like, "You're talking about?" <laughs> I was like, no. He was like, "No." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah." I, I, like, I heard you guys are having layoffs like uh, really soon. They're getting bought by uh, by Sony, and and you guys are gonna have a bunch of layoffs. I was, like, I was like, "What?" I was like, "No, I haven't heard anything about it." So I asked my boss, who wasn't there at the time, he was away mm-hmm. on vacation. Was like, hey. We had some layoffs or something. I heard some rumors. I didn't tell them who it was from or anything because apparently mm-hmm. this was like super secret information that had been leaked all around. Later on that day, there was a company-wide meeting. <laughs> they oh, like, no. called everybody together. Yeah, they're like, we are uh, being purchased and we're going to have some changes coming and we'll talk about them uh, Friday. And then Friday, I got laid off. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good stuff. So that was three weeks in. I was on the on the Friday. I was just gone. But right while it was happening, so like I went in there and they're like, "Yep, hey, um, everybody that was in this this section like knows that they're staying. Everybody else, sorry, <laughs> you're laid off. And get the info." But while we were packing up and stuff, one of the producers actually came to me and told me that uh, we had actually figured all this stuff out before you were hired. And we've decided that we're going to rehire you because the designers and QA team like what you've been doing so far. And so, so like, just hang on and wait. I'll reach out to you soon. I was like, okay. i like, that's weird. So... That you know, then I went through the, the whole process, got laid off, got my severance package, went out with everybody else that got laid off, and then like <laughs> I, I hung around for a couple more days, like a week or so, and they were like, Yeah, we're gonna get back to you soon. We'll get back to you soon. And I'm like, All right, well, you know, I'm talking to my wife and she's like, Why are you still down there if you like you don't have a job there? And like, what's going on? I was like, All right, you're right, I'm uh-huh. gonna come back up. So I, I drove back up to Washington thinking, like, well. Maybe that was kind of the end of my my game dev career, right? But yeah, literally three weeks later, they they called me up. I'm like, hey, you know, this time instead of it being my buddy in QA, it was the the lead programmer, who's now my buddy Ryan. <laughs> he, he called and said, hey, we want to get you back in, but we want to have you do tools development instead. Because so while I was mm-hmm. there doing QA stuff, like a lot of the job was just testing things, right? Like a build comes right. out, you test it, make sure like, hey the designer made these 100 potions. Go make sure these 100 potions do what they say they do, right? Right. And make sure the whole game doesn't break on top of that. Right. <laughs> but what I would do all the rest of the time was kind of explore the database. So I had mm-hmm. a read-only account to the database, and uh, I would just kind of look at it, and I loosely knew how to build web apps. Like I I, I knew how to bind data to a web page and filter it and sort it and stuff. That, that was the one thing I could do relatively well with ASP.NET and beautiful Ajax calls, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was all the the good old, really old ASP.NET stuff. This was wild. <laughs> but I, I knew how to do it. I knew how to bind it up. And not a lot of other people at the company knew how to do that. Everybody else at the company knew right. C or they weren't programmers, right? Like there weren't a lot of people that were doing C sharp and web stuff. So while I was building those tools up, I was giving them, I was using them a little bit myself. And then I would show them to the designers. And then the designers like, Hey, can I try that too? Cause that's actually really helpful. And I started just building them a little bit of tooling too. So mm-hmm. I I'd built like two tools while I was there. One of them was like just to find and compare items. So you can just pull up a bunch of items, compare them and see what the differences are. They'd be like, Hey, why does why is this sword different than these other ones? I can't figure out what it is. They'd pull right. up like five and, and do a comparison. Anyway, because of all that, they uh yeah offered me this job to come back as a tools programmer went through the whole interview process again which was a bit more rigorous including like actually flying down meeting people which was super stressful i remember <laughs> like right after i remember like right after i left i like drove off drove down the street pulled over and threw up on the side of the road i was like oh, wow oh. i was like yeah i was like oh man that it was like a super chill thing i was just really stressed about whether or not i was going to get the job right like the, the environment right. and everything was great. The interview and all, the whole thing was good. It's like, really, really, really want this job. <laughs> 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 so anyway, yeah, I got hired into that. And it was just a, a long journey on from there. A lot of it just came down to just saying yes every time. though, Like every time somebody would call with one of these opportunities or, or a GM would want to just talk to me. <laughs> like just saying, hey, yeah, let's talk. Let's chat about things like, Talking to a lot of people made it made a big difference for me. So I don't
0: know. That's funny. <laughs> so it's it's interesting because you're talking about EverQuest. And I was like, yeah, I never I never actually played it. I played a couple of other uh massively multiplayer games. The one that I played the most of was the Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah. I think. The only experience I had with anybody talking about EverQuest with me you're going to laugh. And it's funny. And so I'm going to tell it. But when I was in college, I got on, I think it was eHarmony. It was one of the dating apps. And I got matched up with somebody. And so met her for lunch somewhere. And it turned out she was divorced. And so the first thing she asked me when we sat down was if I had ever played EverQuest. And I was like, (laughs) no. You know, I'd heard of it. But, you know, I was like, no, I've never played it before. And she was like, good. And the whole rest of the, the lunch was literally literally her telling me how much she hated the fact that her ex-husband had played EverQuest nonstop and oh, yeah. that was the that was the first and last time i <laughs> met up with her but yeah anyway so
1: that's awesome yeah that's not a surprise i've seen it happen <laughs> where that game and and just mmos and games in general killed a lot of uh, a lot of relationships if you can't prioritize uh,
0: yeah yeah <sighs> but anyway it's it's interesting <laughs>
1: <laughs> My wife actually said that too. She, we were talking last night, and she was like, "Yep, EverQuest almost killed our relationship early on." <laughs> she literally oh, really? told me last night. Yeah, so I would play it so much, so hardcore. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be careful with that stuff. But it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, you make a lot of friends, and you you know build up those yep. relationships online, and it gets to be addictive. And like, hey, you're talking to people, so yeah, it's hard to
0: absolutely. But yeah, so I'm I'm interested now, you know, you're you're talking about some of this experience as a as a game dev, you know, and as a tools dev, you know, how, how do you go from that to like actually building and working on games, right? Because the one is not necessarily the other, right?
1: Right. And that's something that took me a little while to realize too. So when I first started up the tools dev job, my my main job was to work on the designers, like data entry tool, they got this web forms tool, I mean, or WinForms, sorry, WinForms is super, super old, right? WinForms tool that just binds to a database and updates some data, lets them create Mm -hmm. NPCs, items and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. The job was going to be to work on that, at least that's like kind of what I expected. But I went in there day one, though, it was actually way different. They gave me the first job was, we want you to solve a problem with the way that designers' workflow happens. So designers' workflow at the time was that they would create data, they would would set up all the stuff they wanted in this development database, and then that was connected to a development server. They would go test it on there. The QA team would go test it on there. They would get it approved. And then they would go do that exact same work on the staging server. (laughs) And then that staging server data would eventually get pushed out to test so every single time they did stuff, they did it twice, which meant they also made mistakes almost every single time because mm-hmm. the second time around something's a little bit different, and then we would have to test it twice for everything. It was an extremely slow process that was like constantly causing problems and breaking where things would be one way on the development server and another way on the on our actual live production server. So the first thing they tasked me with was like fix this thing, and I had to go in and build a whole tool around that, right? So I had to. W- mm-hmm. What I ended up doing was like building a, a whole system with the existing tooling, so that they could tag things and then decide which things are getting pushed out. Essentially, like a branching system in right in in Git or something. Just nowhere near as good, right? Like a, a very bad version <laughs> of of branching in in there. In fact, I think it was even called a branch in there. So uh-huh. uh, I put that all together and then started working on the tool for a while, and that went for like nine months or so. And mm-hmm. after that, though, I started kind of running out of things to, to do in the tooling. Like people stopped right. having requests. People stopped wanting things. But there were a lot of these like gameplay requests that were coming along. And I was sitting there with four other junior developers who were doing gameplay types. Well, one of them was doing graphics code. Uh, uh-huh. One was a graphics programmer. So he was working primarily just on graphics stuff. One guy was a gameplay programmer working just on gameplay related things like trying to add in new features and new functionalities. And the other guy was a gameplay programmer, but he was mostly focused on performance and optimization. So they were all like doing right. these other things around me, and I was kind of watching and observing and seeing, like that. I was really a lot, really interested in the gameplay type stuff, like adding these new features and functionality mm-hmm. type things. And I would occasionally get together with my buddy Adam, who was doing the uh, the gameplay stuff, and like we would talk about the code and talk about the things that were happening and the data that was there. And I was starting to learn a little bit more. I was getting a little bit better at C++, starting to understand it more. I had written a little C++, but I was terrible at it. But I was kind of starting to to understand it. And I was able to get a copy of the project compiling and stuff and just start experimenting around in there. So in my spare time, when I wasn't building cool stuff or filling out any requests or whenever I had any downtime, I would just kind of toy around in the gameplay code and see if I could figure out how to add things, fix things and stuff. And um Mm -hmm from there it quickly just became a, hey if you know how to do that stuff here are some tasks right like i was i did oh, one nice. thing i was like hey did it checked it in they're like hey well if you can do some of these like i'm going to give you a couple more tasks go try them out and it was you know, like I said my buddy now ryan who was the lead is just really open and helpful and like really good at i guess just promoting growth i think in in the company and on the team and just letting people do things that were new and, and having people mentor too so he would I would do these things and then have one of the senior programmers come check but see how I did and then give me some feedback on on the things that I was doing wrong or, or needed to improve on and from there it just very quickly got into writing gameplay code constantly and it's been a blast ever since <laughs>
0: like, nice hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So it all happened there at the same company, more or less.
1: Yes, or yeah, yeah, I would say so. For me, it all kind of happened there, and it was all in a relative. I mean, it went from QA to writing gameplay code in about a year. like the the turnaround so qa then tools and then gameplay code now to be fair by the time i left that company i still don't think that i I still really struggle to make my own game like from scratch right what i found is like when you start working at a big place on a big project and you never get the opportunity to greenfield one make something new you really don't build up that skill set or those muscles or really have the idea of how you want to architect things if the right. projects that you're working on are already always architected so that was something that i didn't actually learn there like the whole time i was working in this one place i didn't learn it until i left left there and started at a new startup making games on my own and suddenly i had to do that and i was like holy crap i don't know how to do this so i was like mm-hmm. i know how to make games but like i've got you know normally there's a plan there's a, this design and this right. game and i'm just adding things onto it like this is totally different and that was a a very different experience, but a lot of fun, too.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, it's it's interesting because I think people have this idea that you have to be this expert in all these different things in order to become a game dev. And especially at a company. And it turns out that, I mean, you just got in and made yourself useful. And it, it opened a lot of those opportunities that you're talking about have ha, having had now.
1: That is what most of the game developers I know did. They either, they got into some development job um, something low level usually, and they just kind of worked their ass off and and, you know, tried and just got promoted and got a lot of opportunity there. I've seen it happen a, a bunch of times. Now, I'm sure it varies like from company to company. Some companies like you'll get in and doesn't matter what you do, you'll never get anywhere. But I've had great experiences at pretty much every game company I've ever been at and most of the people that I know have to.
0: Right. So, you know, now that we've kind of heard your story here, I mean, what advice do you have for somebody that let's say, I mean, most of our listeners on our shows, they, they have some experience, right? I would dare say that, you know, probably half of our audience is new, new ish, you know, up to maybe mid level. And then the other half are experienced folks. So, you know, depending on experience, you know, if if somebody's saying, okay, I want to be a game developer, what what advice do you have for them?
1: But I think it depends if they want to be a game developer, and they're already really good at, you know, C sharp or JavaScript or something, I would definitely recommend trying to find a way in through the, the tools department of some company, if that's the kind of place you want to work at. I would but it also depends like what mm-hmm. kind of games you want to work on and what you want to do. If you want to work at a big AAA company and you have those skills, I would say try to get in through like a tools department. They'll they'll pay really well and it'll be in a relatively easy job with a lot of mm-hmm. like just lateral opportunity to move over to game development in a, like a big environment, you know, you want to work at one of these super big places. But if you want to be like right. a game developer where you're just coding your own stuff and you're actually like writing the gameplay code at first, I would just try to learn how to how to make games. Like if you can, if you have the time available, any I think just about anybody who's got the right mindset can learn how to just code some games. You can go through the process to make a simple little Flappy Bird in an hour, you know, Angry Bird in half a day, and you can build mm-hmm. some bigger games as you just kind of practice and and try things. All of the information is out there; it's totally available for free hundreds of thousands of tutorials on youtube they'll take step by step on how to make a game and the code is not complicated a lot of people think that like they need to write crazy stuff but it's really simple code so go through that process of learning and build a couple little mini games and then start applying for things and one of the i i just i want to say this real quick i don't know if you've seen this but the problem that i see most people have is just a giant lack of confidence like they don't Actually, apply for jobs. I've met a lot of programmers mm-hmm. who I think are really good. Like they're 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 maybe not you know a top top of their career. they're not like a senior level, but they're really good at a junior to mid level. And even they like are afraid to apply for positions because they don't think that they're right. good enough. Okay. What what I would recommend is apply for a lot of positions. Apply for yeah. you know apply for everything that you think you might be qualified for and go through the interview process and start practicing that cuz people like, people get i think more comfortable as you go through a bunch of interviews you'll you'll practice and get better at it you'll understand what people are actually looking for and when you fail an interview ask them hey, just how the interview went and if they have any feedback or advice sometimes a lot about half the time they'll say no and tell you nothing but about half the time they'll actually give you some useful advice on why you weren't a perfect candidate. As long as you're not like crying and seeming super upset and like, you know, they don't want to deal with that. But if you seem relatively calm, rational like, hey, I don't think this went great, but um can you give me some advice on things that you think I, I should work on? That kind of stuff. Um you'll get some really good tips on that. But I said go out and apply for things is the biggest thing. What do you think, man? Yeah,
0: no, I agree. It's it's funny too because I've done a fair bit of coaching. I've done a fair bit of you know, I'm doing it now, right? Just helping people become influencers in the dev space. And yeah, there's there are a lot of people that don't think they have what it takes, right? With the junior developers, a lot of times it's, well, I don't think I can go get that better job that I want, or I don't think I can, you know, I'm qualified for the thing that I think I want. And yeah, most of the time it's, well, have you applied? Have you actually tried? And a lot of the time it's, well, no. And then they go apply, you know, and they're coming back at me the next week, you know, and my coaching was literally, well, go apply and see where you're falling short. And they come back. I got the job, (laughs) you know, they (laughs) hired me. I can't believe they hired me. Oh, my gosh, you know. And then the other half of the time it was, well, they asked me about these three things and I really didn't know the answers to them. And I said, okay, well, what do you think it'd take to learn? them? Oh, well, I've already done some of the research and I think I could be ready in a month or so. Okay, great, you know? And so that's that's the kicker for a lot of people is it's, you know, it seems like it's this daunting thing because you just don't know what the unknowns are, right? And so it feels like there's this big bucket of I don't know out there that you have to fill in. And then you realize that, you know what? Most of it's code. And then the rest of it is, yeah, it's specific to the industry. And so I'm gonna have to figure some of that out. But they know that, right? And they know what skill set they're looking for from these folks. And so at the end of the day, you're going to be fine. And yeah, so you just have to figure that out. So yeah, that's been my experience too, is if you go out there and you do the interview, and in fact, a lot of times you don't even have to do the, hey, so I'm not sure this went well. And most of the time you can tell, right? Most of the time you'll know. Um, Yeah, I would only do that
1: if you're sure that it didn't go well. (laughs) If if you're not sure, then don't say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But even then, most of the time, it's they ask me these handful of questions and I didn't know the answers, right? And so you walk out to your car and you frantically type it into your phone so you don't forget the terms they ask you about. And then you go look them up. And then when you go to the next interview, you know the answers. Or the other thing that I've seen work out for people is they go back to the interviewer and they say, you know, you asked me about these things and I went and looked them up. And it turns out that they're not that complicated. It's this, 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 and this. And I've seen people get hired doing that. So...
1: oh. That, that reminds me of uh, when I got hired at Qualcomm. <laughs> like, one yeah. of the phone interview questions, I forget what it was. It was one of those silly algorithm questions, something about reversing a, a string. I forget what it was mm-hmm. exactly. And I was like, yeah, I would just use a string dot reverse. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> like, well, how'd you do it? I like, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it. Like, I guess I could write something. So I wrote something up that was suboptimal. And then afterward, I was like, Okay, I was like, that was like the one bad part of the interview. Because like, they were looking for me to write an algorithm. And I was like, I don't really remember what I would use here. So, so I of yeah. skipped past that. So after, like immediately after the interview, I went, did a little bit of research, wrote up two examples of code with the um, using the algorithms in, di- in different ways, and then sent it over to him. And yeah, I got hired from that job. And like one of the yep. things the uh, the guy who I sent that to told me he was like, yeah, when you sent me that, I was really impressed. Like, oh, you, know, you didn't know it, but you just went out, found the answer, and sent it to me like within a couple minutes. So I was like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and I I highly recommend that. Like, if if it mm-hmm. is something you don't know the answer to offhand, and yeah, you can find it, like, go find it and uh, get back to them. It, it, especially if it was you know, a small amount of stuff that that you were kind of hung on.
0: Yeah, there was a, and, and I, I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna kind of push us along toward the end here. But yeah, it reminds me of another guy that uh, I was working at Mosey at the time, which was my first job out of college. I was actually working in tech support. And so people would call in or email in with problems and I'd help them. But when the programmers would interview folks, sometimes we'd sit in and then they would actually put them on a computer in our office because that was the only space we had, you know, just tiny startup. And have him work on a code challenge for an hour. And there was one guy that they put in there, and he didn't finish the challenge. and he was so frustrated that he didn't finish the challenge. And so he asked him if he could actually get a copy of his code so he could, you know so and they let him and he came back in the next day with the with the code and uh, gave it to him completed challenge. and they hired him. I, so you know, his persistence. Just, yep. So and and it yeah, it just demonstrated a different thing that they they were like, Oh yeah, yeah, we want that. They looked at his code, it was great. You're right. He was just a little more thorough than other people who were trying to get it done in an hour. So anyway, I, I want to let people know because you know, ever everquest, I almost said Evernote. Sorry. Uh, EverQuest. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in because it's funny. But EverQuest is a big game, and you, you know, you worked on a few other games, you've been teaching people to build games for a while. Like I said, your courses are well put together and easy to follow. You've got your YouTube channel. But if people want to learn how to build games, how do they find your course? And, you know, yeah. Do you recommend a good place for people to, you know, kind of land on your website and get started?
1: Yeah. So for new people, I generally recommend they go through the free coursework first, go through one of the free tutorial videos that I've got up there. I've got one on Flappy Birds, one on Angry Birds, just to make sure that they're really interested and kind of like they want to do game development. They're having fun with it before they make some big investment. Uh, The other courses, though, are on my site at Game.Courses. There's a programmer course that's primarily for beginners where it teach people how to go through the the entire development process of building a game, kind of start to finish building a full-out platformer game. So Mm -hmm. we'll go go build essentially like Mario, but you can extend out and build whatever kinds of things you want, go through all of the code, assuming that you don't really know anything about programming at all or C-sharp. If you know some C-sharp, it's even faster because then you're mostly just focusing on the differences between regular programming and game programming and the big parts of the Unity engine that you're kind of tying in, just like you would with a any other framework. You got to really understand the framework. And then I've got a bundle that's available with courses that take you all the way from there up to really advanced level where you're writing unit tests in your games and writing more complex stuff for, for bigger, large scale stuff for when you're ready for that.
0: Yeah. Good deal. Now, usually when I bring people on, and I think last time you were on, you actually had like a coupon or a deal that people can get. Is there is there something like can I lean on you a little bit? And is, yeah, is let's uh, use the coupon
1: devchat to get a hundred bucks off.
0: Okay. And is there a good, uh, I'm going to link it up at like devchat.tv slash games. But, you know, in fact, go to devchat.tv slash games and it'll take you to the place where you can get these bundles. But yeah, just kind of break down what people get in the bundle so that they know, you know, what they're getting a hundred dollars off on.
1: Sure. So you get the programmer course, which takes you through, again, the, the beginner level stuff. You get the six week mastery course, which teaches you how to build three different games and then a more advanced architecture course where we go into the more complex, bigger game development stuff. On top of that, there's a hoodie, a mug, a bunch of other little free things that you get along the way, some art packs and other things. And then upcoming, I've got a new course that was also included in this bundle we're going to go through and build an entire RPG kind of uh, live together. And we'll be having daily calls again and access to me constantly. And that's kicking off um, in just about a month. So if you're registered before then, you'll get into that for free as well.
0: Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there and so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the most valuable dev summit and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev all right so i heard courses i heard uh hoodie and mug but what kinds of games am i going to be, be, be able to build at the end of this right i mean i'm kind of imagining like zelda or mario or maybe you know you, you've said angry birds a few times but yeah what kinds of games are we talking about here
1: sure so the the angry birds and flappy birds type things are more at the beginner free level that's like the starting out stuff those are the, the mm-hmm. totally the ones that you can knock those out in a day the ones that we'll be building here are more like a it's like mario and metroid style game to start okay off. so you've got some some of the 2d stuff go through all of the 2d libraries understand how to how to do 2d physics and stuff i I have to tell you that's
0: that's what my son wants to do because he's a big fan of undertale and
1: uh okay
0: so yeah and
1: for the for the beginner course by the way it is still multiplayer and you use like playstation controllers or whatever you want you can use a playstation controller to control two characters or control them independently and kind of go over all of that. I even set it up to play on my arcade cabinet so I can run around with two characters, jump in and having fun. But after that, after the 2D stuff and kind of getting down the fundamentals to go into 3D development, so building out a hack and slash type game where it's like a essentially like gauntlet type game Mm -hmm. where you pick different characters, run around, kill lots of bad things, get superpowers, pick up weapons type thing, and then uh, go on to first person and third person shooters. From there, the the next biggest one is like full-scale RPG. So covering things like uh, NPC dialogues, crafting, quests, full inventory stuff. All of the things that you would need to build like a 3D RPG and then switch down from both a third-person and top-down mode with different gameplay modes. So doing like a 3D adventure mode where you run around and then switch over Uh to a top-down shooting mode and then back and forth. So the, the much more complex stuff so that people can kind of build whatever type of game they want. And along the way, you can really theme it however you want. So I'll give people themes that I like to use. So with this new RPG, it'll be sci-fi themed. But if people want to change out the art, it's one of the things I like to show them. They're like, here's how you can make this RPG, you know, a fantasy game instead. And it's right. Totally different. Not changing any code. Yeah, you're just changing right. out the art and a little bit of the wording here and there, you know, and you kind of run them through all that stuff too. So that's a lot of different game types for a lot of different people. But we definitely start off with uh, 2D and keeping it relatively simple so that it's approachable and easy for anybody to get into.
0: Right. And then the I guess the other question is, is does this package, what what platforms does it show you how to make these uh, games for, right? Because I'm assuming that you can play them on your, your PC or Mac, but... You know, I'm also imagining like uh, Xbox or PlayStation or some of the gaming consoles, phones, iPads, that kind of stuff, right?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great question. It's something that I, I sometimes gloss over because I forget that it's not obvious like from an, a software engineering perspective. But when you build things with Unity, you can pretty much deploy to any platform. A- any gaming platform for sure is supported. There's a 20-something platforms out there now, all of the consoles... Um, PC and Mac, of course. Uh, The bigger ones, though, like mobile, work great. So one of the games that we'll build will run onto a mobile device. But in general, I don't do too much mobile development in my courses just because it requires everybody to have a somewhat similar device to kind of follow along. Uh, The one thing that I do recommend, though, for all of my students and that they like to do is building out WebGL versions of the game. So one of the options Mm -hmm. in Unity is to do a web build. It'll actually compile the game down into a WebGL build that you can just drag, upload to one of two sites that I like to use, itch.io or simmer.io. You literally just drag the folder up. Your game is up there online and you can start sharing it right away. Or there's even a built-in publishing option that you can publish the game from the editor and then people can go in and play it. And it for the most part, just works in a WebGL browser. So you just play it in the browser. works for almost everything. And the same is true for... Going out to the other platforms, except you know, as you get to PlayStation or Xbox, you start to meet some specific requirements that they actually set. So you have to like hit certain targets and you have to get approved right. for certain platforms, depending on the platform.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, we're out of time. I'm going to tell people go to devchat.tv games, use the code devchat for $100 off. And then go build some awesome games. Let us know what you built.
1: Yeah, definitely share them.
0: All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. And until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to
1: learn more.